This morning I want to preach a message entitled God's Plan. God's Plan. The book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 through 12. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I want you to pay attention to this passage of Scripture. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the parts, lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said one to another, come. Let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I'm going to go skip down to chapter 2. But between that verse and chapter 2, he tells them he is fleeing from the presence of God and he has disobeyed God and great fear came upon them. And they asked him, what should we do to you? And he said, throw me overboard. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah prayed. Of course, the, the fish swallowed him up, the whale. And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of hell. I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and all the floods surrounded me, all your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. I will look again toward your holy temple The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Isn't it good that when things go berserk in your life... That there comes a time when you say, I remember you, Lord. I remember the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. 
but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving and I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And then when he repented, now think with me a couple of things here. Jonah was willing to die before he obeyed the Lord. But the Lord stretched it out so that he was in the belly of that whale three days. Can you imagine what the enzymes in the belly of that whale began to do to the pigments of his body? The Bible later tells us he was bald. That whale performed neat all over his body. That stuff that takes all the hair off you. He came out bald, not a hair on his body, dissolved by the enzymes. Perhaps his body was even scarred a little bit. The pigments changed. And then he finally repented and then God caused the fish to get sick and he threw him up and he washed up on a shore. And in chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. Most people, when they give their heart to Jesus at one time or another, will say something like this. Lord, I want to follow you and I will follow you anywhere. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. And that all sounds well and good and that's the kind of prayer we ought to pray. But following Jesus does not always take us in the direction that we really want to go and we will not enjoy. Sometimes the will of God is not very comfortable at all. In fact, it's tortuous. Now, we do not know the reason why Jonah hated the Ninevites. We know that the Ninevites were very cruel to anyone they captured. But you see, the process of bending our will to the will of the Lord requires one thing and one thing only, and that is surrender. Surrender. You know, young couples getting married don't realize that, but when they get married, they are being called upon to surrender. You see, when I got married to Helen, I surrendered all of my privacy. I surrendered all of my secrets. I surrendered my time. I surrendered everything. I surrendered my love. I promised her I would love her even when it was hard to love her. And she promised the same to me. Now, she's had a harder task than me. For the first 10 years, I thought there was something wrong with me. (laughs) But then I decided that she was not the enemy. I'll tell you what, when you get married... It is a taste of surrender. And really, God ordained that so that we would understand that when we come to him and we become saved and we become part of the body of Christ, we are the groom of Christ and it requires surrender. Boy, I fight against that all the time. What about you? My flesh does not want to surrender to the will of God. I do not like to walk into a hailstorm. I do not enjoy going through the fire and the flood of living for Jesus. Now, I wish I could tell you that pastoring these last 43 years, 47 years, was all joy and it was fun and it was just wonderful time and everybody treated me well and no one ever criticized me and no one ever dumped poison on me. 
When somebody comes to the office and says, Pastor, I want to tell you I'm getting ready to leave the church. But there's some things I'd like to tell you. I've come to the place to say, if you've already made your mind up, you're going to leave. I don't want you dumping any poison on me. But there's some things I've got to tell you. No, if you've already made your mind up, you're going to leave. Don't dump poison on me. Can somebody say amen? Don't fill my heart with bitterness and unforgiveness and all these negative things that you want to say about me. Listen, the devil says enough. I don't need to hear it from you. Reminds me, listen to this. It reminds me, I was preaching a message on Elisha and uh, Elijah. And I got them mixed up. And uh, one lady came in and she said, Brother Sarah, I've got to talk to you. Don't know if I can come to this church anymore. I said, what? She said, the Bible says if you change the word of God, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. Said, you changed, you got them mixed up. And she said, in the book of Revelation, Paul the apostle said that your name would be blotted out of the book of life. I said, well, first of all, I think you're being a little too hard on me. That was a human error. That was a human error. I said, but now, if what you're saying is true, you, you just said that Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation. And the Bible very clearly says, John wrote the book of Revelation. So if my name is blotted out, yours is doubly blotted out because <laughs> she was on her way out. But you know what? Every time I see her in a restaurant, Every time I've seen her in a restaurant, she kind of walks the other direction. She was so humiliated and so embarrassed. Listen, be sure when you get ready to dump poison on somebody, you're prepared for what's about to happen. Let me just stop right here. I learned a long time ago. If another pastor has a staff member and that staff member's not doing something right, don't call that pastor and complain about that staff member. Do you know why? And this is good on your job. The Bible says, do not complain to a servant's master about that servant, lest he turn on you and rend you. Be careful who you're dumping poison on. Is that a, is that a good idea? Be very careful. In fact, if you're going to dump poison, if I need to dump poison, I want to go to Jesus and dump it on him. He can handle it. <laughs> Remember what David said? He said to God, God, I want you to kill my enemies. I want their wives to go hungry and, and sell their bodies to people in the street and I want their children to starve because I have no food. The Bible said David had a heart after God, but there were times when his heart was not really after God. But you see, God could handle it. God's not shocked when we pour our poison on him. What does the Bible say? Come all ye that are heavy laden and dump it out on me and I will give you rest. Dump it on Jesus. Because you see, when we take our poison and dump it on him, he's just said, go and get it all out. Get it all out. What does the Bible say the Holy Ghost is? He is our counselor. He is our comforter. Pour it out on Jesus and you'll get to the end of it. And usually by the end of that chapter, David had poured it out, got healed over it, got delivered over it. And he'd say, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, God. You're so good. And I'm going to write a good psalm about you. Be careful who you pour poison out. You see, the process of bending our will to 
the Lord's requirements is surrender. And I want us to take a look at the process, a four-step process that Jonah went through. Number one, knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. Jonah was a man of God and he was close enough to God that God was able to speak to him and he knew the will of God. Now it's important because some people have come to me at times and said, Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. And I said, well, listen, let me, let me clarify that. Do you know you ought, to, you ought to read God's word? Yes. Do you? No, not always. Do you know you ought to call on the name of the Lord every day? Because the Bible says call on his name. David said, I will call on the Lord seven times in a day. Daniel prayed three times a day. Reading the word of God and praying. Do you go up to the house of God? David said, I was glad when they said go up to the house. Do you go to church every time the doors are open? Well, no. Well, I said, how can you expect to know the will of God when you're not doing what you already know is God's will? Do the will of God that you know. And it was obvious that Jonah was doing the will of God that God knew and that he knew. And then God spoke to him and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach that I am going to destroy that city. Does this sound familiar? Abraham was sitting in his tent on the plains of Mamre, not far from Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord came and says, I am going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What was Abraham's uh, position about that? Go get them, God. The more, the merrier. No. He said, God, if there's 50 righteous there, will you hold back your judgment? And finally, he got down to 10. You see, Abraham wanted God to save and spare. Jonah said, no, I don't want to spare that city. It's obvious that there was a bitterness in the heart of Jonah over that city. It was obvious he wanted them all to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Hell is forever. There are some people that we cannot receive into the kingdom because they decide they don't want to ever get saved. But knowing the will of God, God will speak to us about his will. And he also not only speaks to Jonah, he not only speaks to Abraham, but he speaks to us. Uh, Someone came and said, Pastor... I've never heard God speak to me. And my, my, my response is this. It may be that there's too many hindrances or obstructions that keep you from hearing the Lord. We're familiar with noises that hinder conversations. Have you ever been in a restaurant and somebody call you with an important call? And you say, would you say that again? It's very noisy in here. Say it again. And we go through that. And finally you say, I've got to go outside. I'm in a noisy place. And you go outside. So you remove the obstruction and the hindrance. We've got to order our lives so that we can come to a place where we can hear what God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us, but sometimes all of the voices that are speaking to us outside the will of God, outside us, are obscuring his voice and hindering the voice of God. Know the will of God. That's the first step towards having a direction and bending your will to his will. Resisting the will of God is the second step. Jonah went down to Joppa. 
That was an international seaport. He chose a destination which was the furthest port in civilization he could take in order to get away from Nineveh. Only God knows where he would have gone if God had not interfered. It kind of reminds me of Elijah after Jezebel said to him, you know, you've killed the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, but I am going to kill you by tomorrow by doing the same thing. I'm going to cut your neck off. I'm going to cut your head off. Why is it everybody in the Middle East, they want to cut somebody's head off? So Elijah gets up. And he runs. Now, he is an old man. He outran his younger servant, Gehazi. Then he runs another day's journey out into the desert, into the Sinai Peninsula, and he's sitting under a juniper tree, and he says, God, kill me. Don't be surprised when God speaks to us sometimes. It's an unpleasant task. It was not a matter of not understanding what God's will was. Because you see, he knew God's will, but every time we resist the Lord, it always involves the word no, I will not do it. Will people say no, I will not go? Oh yes, we do, all the time. I want you to recall the last time you said no to God. God spoke to your heart, you need to go to church tonight, you need to do this. You need to do that. I came close to disobeying the Lord this last week (laughs) because of neglect. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about six weeks ago. I want you to give a Christmas gift to this certain person. It happened to be a preacher of a tiny church. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. But I neglected and delayed and put it off. Finally, I called the brother and I said, listen, I'm going to bring you a check. Well, the days passed by. You know what I did? I just finally went ahead and had, I had Lauren go ahead and mail it so I could involve her in my obedience. And then I paid for another bill that the church had, but I went ahead and had her do it so that we could get the will of God obeyed. You see, it was a little late. It was a few days after Christmas, but I want to tell you something. It's better late obeying the Lord than never. Can someone say amen? And you know what? I've always found out that when God speaks to my heart to bless somebody financially, that it it never hurts me. You know, after after I spent that money, Helen and I, we still went out to the restaurant. After we spent that money, we're still able to put gas in the car, still able to pay the utility, still able to pay the rent on the apartment. You see, when God speaks to you, he will make a way when I obey So you see, I'm not just talking about something that never happens to me. How many of you would say it'd be better for us if we just simply just went ahead and obeyed the Lord? The third step is the consequences of saying no and disobeying the Lord. The consequences. I wish there were no consequences to our disobedience, don't you? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be easy? But there are always consequences. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
Is that God's word? That's God's word. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You know why we find it easy to sow and disobedience is because many times the consequences don't come immediately. Now, if you want to have a, you want to have a consequence that happens immediately, go rob a bank, shoot two or three people, and they get your face on that camera. There's a consequence going to happen pretty quickly. But you see, we are serving God. God is merciful. God doesn't nail us down with a, a heaven's baseball bat when we disobey him. And sometimes the consequences aren't reaped immediately. Now, I loved, I loved the garden. <laughs> I loved to plant trees. Since I moved up here, my peach trees died <laughs> just about it. But the weeds, they keep on growing. How many has found that to be the case, you know? But I planted a huge garden. There were some seeds that when I planted them, they germinated and bore fruit within 60 days. There were some things I planted didn't, didn't bear fruit or didn't, didn't really come and be ripe for three or four months. I planted a peach tree and it wasn't supposed to bear fruit until the second or third year. You see, we may not reap immediately, but we're going to reap in due season. When we sow a consequence, it may not hit us now, but it will get us later. Let me tell you one that's going to get us. Reason why Helen and I never drank alcohol. First of all, because the Bible is so full of many prohibitions against alcohol drinking that, that we didn't do it. But we didn't even keep anything around for seasoning the food. I keep wine around to season my food. You found out, listen, I didn't get this way because I didn't season stuff. How many can identify with that? You see, we didn't have, we didn't drink socially. Do you know why? Because you may not reap it right now, but when your children get drunk and they are arrested for drunk driving or they kill somebody, you're going to reap it the rest of your life. You see, some, there, there are some consequences we'll reap for the rest of our life. Not only will we reap it in our children, but we'll reap it in our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Listen to me. I am living for God, and I don't want the consequences of my disobedience to touch my family. I want the consequences of surrender to touch my family. You see, I... I know that most of you aren't going to get swallowed up by a whale, but I'll tell you what, God knows exactly the right fish to prepare. 20th, 21st century fish that'll swallow you up whole and you will wonder how you ever got that way. Go back to obey the Lord. Things begin to fall apart. We feel we're in some kind of hell on earth. Boy, Jonah felt like he was in hell. Can you imagine how his skin was burning? He was what you might call in the soup of consequence. The last step is obeying, repenting and obeying. Repentance is always difficult. We will not repent unless the pain of staying the same 
exceeds the pain of obeying the Lord. And the Lord knows how painful we have got to be in our sin. Remember the prodigal? As long as he had plenty of money and he had a bunch of friends. He didn't think about repentance. But when he was out there eating slop with the pigs, he came to himself. When the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of repentance, we will not change until it becomes greater than change. God wants us to change. I will obey. I will go. In my ministry, I have experienced so many missionaries that have gone overseas. I was just a kid at Southeastern. And one day, the practical ministry pastor of the whole, whole college came to me and said, David, um, would you like to assist Brother Strader in funerals? Brother Strader pastored Carpenter's home at that time in Lakeland. Church was running about 4,000. And I said, yes, I'll go to every one that you want me to go. They put me on the list. You know what I was? I was a pallbearer. And I was there to just help Brother Strader. <sighs> one week, the... Dean said, I, I need you to go to this funeral. So I went to the funeral. I was standing by the coffin, carried the coffin out with the several other guys and laid it there. And it was a missionary of the Assemblies of God who'd been in Africa, listen to this, for 46 years without furlough. When they first went there, the husband... He said, we went and God spoke to our hearts. There is a village in deepest, darkest Africa I want you to go to. He said, we had no support but family in our local church. About all the money we had was enough money to buy the tickets and get us there. And we obeyed. When we first got there and we, we went until God said, this is the village. The Holy Spirit spoke to them. They didn't know the language. That's when the Assemblies of God, now that was in 1965 when I was standing at that graveside and they had been in ministry for how many years? 47 years. That was close to when the Assemblies of God first started out. Sending missionaries overseas. He said, we never, we never lacked. God would meet our needs just as we were faithful. Somebody'd send us a package. Somebody would hear about us and they'd send us something and they'd send us food or they'd send us money or they'd send us something. And he said, when we first got there, we didn't speak the language, so all we knew how to do was pray in tongues. <laughs> and said, every time we felt it was church time, because, you know, after a while, your watches don't run much out there in the bush. He said, we would stand up there we begin praying and then we would lapse into speaking in the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, as we were speaking in the Holy Spirit, people would start coming around. He said it was about three or four years later, the Assemblies of God sent us a translator. And he said to the missionary, he said, well, what's happening here? He said, I really don't know. He says, every time we come out here, he says, the crowd's getting bigger and getting bigger and getting bigger. And he said, I need you to preach Jesus. I'll preach it, you translate. And he said to them for the first time, I want to introduce Jesus to you. They said to the translator, we already know Jesus. I want to preach the cross to you. We already know about the cross. Where did you get it? Well, these people here don't speak one of our one word of us. They get out here and they start praising God and all of a sudden they'd start speaking in our language, a perfect language like we learn it ourselves uh, and God has built us a church uh, and God has given us leadership in the church uh, and prayer warriors in the church. Uh, I want to tell you something. When we obey God, God will always come through. When we surrender our comfort zone to Jesus, he will always come through. I helped bury many missionaries. But as a kid preacher, I was thankful for that example. And I've never forgotten it. Obeying the will of Jesus Christ, this act of surrendering to the Lord's plan for our life, it is vital and essential to a close relationship with Jesus. I want a close relationship with Jesus, Pastor. Let's start obeying the Lord. Don't start obeying in the complicated things. Start with the little stuff. And when we obey the Lord in the little stuff, God will start treasuring us. And trusting us with the great stuff. I want to be trustworthy. I want to get to the place where I'm so trustworthy. That I can tell the Lord you don't ever have to look back at me. I'm right here following you. You don't have to wonder if I'm off doing my own thing. I want to stay right behind you. Sometimes we don't understand Why the Lord requires us to do what he's calling us to do. And I hear people say, Pastor, I don't understand. I don't understand why. God has brought me on this journey. Listen, friends. My children didn't understand when I'd say stop playing in the street. My children didn't understand when I said Please don't date an unsaved person and please don't date somebody that's not full of the Holy Ghost. They didn't understand. Now they're married. They full well understand. (laughs) And thank God they married somebody that loved the Lord and was full of the Holy Ghost. But when we obey the Lord, even when we don't understand, the results of obeying Him and following Him are always the same. When we obey the Lord, Jesus is glorified. What does the Bible say? When the name of Jesus is lifted up, it will bring all men unto him. And sometimes we misunderstand what the word of God means when it says that. We most of the time mean when we lift up our voices. 
And that does lift up the name of Jesus. But the Lord, what the Lord is really talking about here is when we surrender to his will, we are lifting up the name of Jesus. When we obey him and people see a life that's dedicated and surrendered and given to Christ's purposes and where we follow the Lord, come hell, come high water, come flame or come flood, they see Jesus lifted up. That's what will draw all men to the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Not only is the Lord glorified, but we are a part of the work that the Lord is accomplishing in his kingdom. And when we are a part of the work that the Lord is accomplishing in his kingdom, when we make it to heaven, that's why he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome thou into the joy of the Lord. We, we learn surrender. I wish it could be done any other, some other way, but not. We learn surrender to the will of Jesus. It may not always be pleasant. It might not always fit our desires. But it always brings the blessing of the Lord. Remember what the angel said to Daniel. Because Daniel obeyed the Lord even when it was unpleasant. He said, Daniel, the Lord loves you with an overwhelming love. What that means is love multiplied. The Lord loves everybody, but he really dotes on those that lean on his breast and hear his heartbeat and follow his passion. Do you want to lean on the breast of Jesus and hear his heartbeat and follow his passion? If you do, and as if we do as a church, we will not stay the same size. We cannot help but multiply in the hearts and lives of others. Would you pray with me? Sometimes down an unpleasant path, Sometimes against our nature. But Jesus never leads us down the wrong path. Acknowledge the Lord. To have his way in your life. Every single day. You're here this morning. And you say pastor. God has spoken to me in this message. I want God's plan to unfold in my life. I really do. I want to be an obedient son or daughter in Christ. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? My hand is up there. I want to be an obedient son or daughter to Jesus Christ. I see those hands. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor... I need Jesus today. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need him today. I want Jesus to forgive me of all my sins and wash my sins away with his precious blood and write my name down in the Lamb's book of life 
beside the throne of God. I want him to write my name down. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I really want to give my heart to Christ. If that is you this morning, when I count to three, would you slip your hand up? One, two, get ready. Three, slip that hand up. I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'd like everyone to stand with me, if you will. Praise the name of the Lord. Here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like everyone that will come and find a place to kneel around these altars. We're going to sing some songs. Find a place to sit. If you can't kneel, come sit up here closer to the front. There's plenty of room here in this church. But I'd like to encourage you. Come on and let's pray together. If you can find a place to kneel, come on and find a place to kneel. But if you cannot sit, you cannot kneel down like me, I can't kneel down very easy because I have a fake knee. But, uh, I want you to come and find a place to seek the Lord. And if you, if you would prefer not to come forward, make an altar right where you are in the pew there. Just make an altar right there. Put your head over on the pew and just glorify the Lord. Let's spend a little bit of time around these altars this morning. Remember with us this morning, Sherry Norton is battling for her life this morning at Shands Memorial Hospital in Gainesville. They had to take her back last night. She is battling for her life. Breathe a word of prayer for Sherry, Sherry Norton this morning. Father, hallelujah. Oh, cry out to the Lord this morning. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I want to surrender my will to you. I want to call out on you. I want God's plan, your plan for my life, Lord. I don't want the devil's plan. I don't want my plan. I don't want my parents' plan. I don't want my wife's plan or my husband's plan. I want your plan, Lord, because your plans are good. Your plans will lift up the name of Jesus. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah, go ahead.